You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less, realistically. It's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I'm so excited today to be continuing our conversation about our phones. I recently took a poll on Instagram that the results said that 94% of people who participated in this poll felt that their phones were a distraction from the things that matter. And they spent more time on their phones than they'd like to. And their phones overwhelmed them in some way or another. So that's why we're going to continue this conversation. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my overwhelm that has been coming from the vast amount of information that comes from the content that I was consuming online. So whether that is on social media, in my email inbox, or on a podcast, or anything like that, we talked about how we can declutter content, how we can declutter our online content consumption. And right now, we actually just started Monday, going through a little community challenge on this. It's actually not a small challenge. It is a longer challenge where we're taking two weeks to really do some short decluttering challenges. And then we're going to take another 10 days to work on our habits with our phones. So if you want to join us, there is still time to join because one, you can do this at your own pace. And two, We just started on Monday and we kind of started slow. So things will ramp up, but we started slow and the weekends are free of tasks. So you can always catch up on the weekend. There's a Facebook group for accountability and everything. So if you do want to join us, you can find us at DesireeAndries.com slash content declutter and join us there. But today we have a guest on the show. Claudia Erickson is our guest today and she is co-founder and board secretary and treasurer of the Unplugged Collaborative. She has a background in social work and a master's degree in public health. She has over 20 years experience working in maternal child health. And she started the Unplugged Village, which is now an initiative of the Unplugged Collaborative to empower people to mobilize their communities to spend less time with technology. Our conversation really today focuses on how can we, as a family, how can we encourage our kids to not be addicted to screens and how can we as adults model that for them? And most importantly, how can we connect with each other, with our kids, with our families, with our community, and focus less on our screens? Claudia brings us so many ideas so many resources today. I really loved my conversation with her. So we are going to just dive right in to my conversation with Claudia. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Before we dive into our conversation, which is a conversation that I'm really excited to have, um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. 
My name is Claudia Erickson. I live in San Diego, California, beautiful, sunny San Diego. Um, my background's in social work and public health, and I've worked in maternal child health for around 30 years now. Um, but of recent years, I am um, co-founder and director of partnerships for the Unplugged Collaborative. Um, that's the program we're going to talk about today. And I've got two kids, um, raised them already. Now the youngest one, my baby's 21. They were both digital natives, and I got to raise them in what I like to call the Wild West of Tech Days, when we had a lot of games and apps and things all coming at us. It was all new, and there were not a lot of tools to help parents deal with it. So I learned a lot of my lessons the hard way, and um, I know oh so well. This is not an easy task to find balance with tech in your life, but I think it can be done. Yeah. And it's a conversation that is really so, it's so important to me, and I think many parents now that technology truly inundates our worlds and inundates our kids' childhoods. So um, before we really dive into that conversation, can you talk a little bit about the Unplugged Collaborative? I kind of just like stumbled upon it and I love what you all are doing. So can you talk about kind of just the mission and what are some things that you all do? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, so it's the Unplug it's not plugged. We always get mixed up with that. So at any rate, um, but if you're if you're looking for it, if you're Googling for it, it's with the UNPLUG Collaborative. And it's a nonprofit that um, Kim Cavallo, that's our executive director, uh, she and I formed this nonprofit to make a new home for the National Day of Unplugging campaign, um, which we now call Global Day of Unplugging because we have partners all over the globe and we wanted to expand to match the mission. So, um, but this... National Day of Unplugging was something that was started by an organization called Reboot. Um, it was for Jewish families and began as a bunch of tech-free dinners in the Bay Area. And it was kind of a, a nice form of tech Shabbat. So you could, you know, they would encourage people to power down their devices from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday um, and connect with their families and just kind of focus on a uh, more simple you know, life for at least 24 hours. Um, so that's how it started even before iPhones were like so huge. So it's kind of amazing. We've been around, this will be our 15th year celebration coming up. Over 135,000 families have participated in some way or another since it began. What we do with the nonprofit is to try and mobilize community leaders and everyday people like you and me and a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, and people to um, build a network and provide support and provide people um, in your neighborhood, your network with fun and engaging ways to unplug and hopefully create healthier digital habits. We know we spend a lot of time on our devices, right? Everybody kind of knows um, there are so many different numbers out there, so it's hard to really get an exact science, but the estimate is that Americans are spending 11 hours or more a day watching, reading, listening to, or somehow interacting with media. Um, Almost four and a half hours of that is just on your cell phones. And you, you add up all the time, it's projected that you're going to spend over two months on your phone alone in 2023, which is just a ton. You're losing, you know, years of your life over time if you spend it all on your phone. So the big question we always ask is, what aren't we doing when we're spending that many hours on our screens? You know, we know we have less time with the important people in our lives and it means that we're a lot more sedentary than previous generations were. And that, of course, causes health problems if you're 
like me, you've had tech neck. You maybe get anxiety when you're looking at too much social media, making you look at how your life should be. I know you've already talked about this a lot in your program. We think it's so great because what you're talking about is ties into this information overload problem. And it's very real. And it is no surprise that we are so tired and anxious and stressed out. Our effort with this collaborative is to provide people with some awareness about that issue and mostly really to pr provide some fun, creative, um, non-tech, a few tech things too, um, that you can do to try and lessen that overload. That's kind of our goal. I love all of that. And I love the real community focus on it and just, you know, like you said, kind of mobilizing people to to be leaders and creating um, unplugged villages, which we'll talk about later. But it's just, it's so, I don't know, refreshing to hear the community aspect of it because that that is a lot of what we lose, even though it feels like we're more connected than ever. It's like we're less connected to the people right in front of us when we are spending so much time on a screen. Yeah, so true. You know, I think I think the hardest part is seeing how we can change and and figuring out what that looks like because our phones are addictive and you know there there's parts of social media and they they're created to to keep us on those apps. So I I kind of want to talk about our kids. Um and I guess you know a lot of these things probably would also be things that keep us more engaged with our kids so off our screens as well because the hope for the future is is in our kids, right? It's in us and our kids. So right now we're in the middle of summer and I know that for some people, this is a time where their kids are home all the time with them. And, you know, it might be that middle of the summer kind of feeling where it's like, okay, what do we do? Like, we already went on vacation. We already did this. Our summer camps ended. And kids might be more apt to be on their screens a little more, which no judgment. Like, we have those days at my house, too. But can you just give us some tips? I, I love how... At the Unplug Collaborative, you encourage just screen-free activities that we can enjoy together as a family. Can you just give us some ideas for that that we can maybe put into practice this summer? Sure, absolutely. And some of these suggestions, I'll, I'll say, are good for all ages, and some might be better for young kids or teens. Kind of take your pick there. But And I'll start with teens, although actually this really kind of applies to any age. I would say even before we get into the activity, um, an important thing to do is to let them see behind the curtain a bit, like the Wizard of Oz analogy. Um, so like with all important things in life, you want to have ongoing discussions with them about tech and you want the good and the bad, right? Don't just talk about how amazing this next app is that came out or this game. Make sure they're also aware of why you're so concerned about it. Otherwise, if you just tell them you don't want them to be on it, they're going to you know, not trust you. Um, so you want them to kind of understand how it's designed that way, whether they're addicted or not, doesn't matter. It's designed to be addicting. So maybe you can watch a movie together, depending on the age of the kids. Social Dilemma on Netflix is one, um, Childhood 2.0 or I Am Gen Z. Those are all kind of newer ones. Screenagers has been around. And then that gets the conversation going. And, but the other thing you might do is look up some things together that might be of interest to them. This is all, again, in the kind of awareness category. Have them look up, if they're older kids, the tech habits of tech leaders and see what how they handle 
tech in their own families. They're very, very conservative. And that's always interesting to teens when they see that. They're like, huh, that's interesting. And then, or maybe have them look at how kids in China are um, having very strict rules about technology. So by law, kids under 18 can only play online games like three hours a week, 8 to 9 p.m. on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That is so different than how it is here in the U.S., right? Um, they have a totally different version of TikTok called Douyin, and it's all sanitized. You know, they show their nice science experiments, being nice to your teacher, museum exhibits. In the U.S., we're seeing the choking challenge and the Benadryl, the blackout challenges, and a lot of fun stuff, but a lot of kind of kind of dangerous stuff, too, and a lot of just taking kids' time. So they're happy to create the app, but they're serving a different version to us than is seen in their own country because they're very concerned about their future uh, workforce and they what do they think is going to happen, you know? And you've got you as kids spending 113 minutes a day just on TikTok alone and over nine hours on screens a day. And I find that's one of the things that teens are kind of interested in because then they start to see, gosh, okay, that's why don't they let their kids have it. Um, there must be something about it I should be thinking about. It's not just mom and dad coming down on me. It's it's awesome to um, check out Delaney Rustan's. Uh, she's the doctor that created Screenagers movie. She has this blog every week called Tech Talk Tuesdays. And it's a really good way to keep the conversation going. And she'll give you things to talk about around the dinner table if you want, or something to have a discussion with your kids about and to kind of keep it fresh. I always feel better when my nails are painted. Maybe it's just the fact that I spent a little bit of time taking care of myself in some way that makes me feel better to show up for the rest of my life. But either way, my favorite way to paint my nails is using Olive and June's Manny system. Olive and June has everything you need for salon quality manicure in one box with their Manny system. You get to customize it with your choice of six polishes, and the polish lasts seven days or more. It breaks down to just $2 a manicure, and it comes with an award-winning cuticle serum and acetone-free polish remover pot. I love the nail polish remover pot. It is just so easy to use it to remove your nail polish. My daughter loves using it as well, but I really love everything that's included in this manicure system. The poppy that comes with it is this little tool that helps you actually put your hand in a better position to paint your nails well. It comes with these nail clippers that helps you get a straight across nail shape. And then it comes with a file that you can shape your nails with even more. Everything is such high quality and it helps you really get salon worthy nails at home. I typically do my nails about once a week. Sometimes my five-year-old joins me and I just always love the end result and how good my nails look and feel. With the cuticle serum, it also helps my nails just stay healthy looking as well. I also really love their quick dry nail polish. It lasts for about five plus days and there are 17 new quick dry colors out there plus a quick dry top coat that you can try. You can visit oliveandjune.com slash minimalish for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash M-I-N-I-M-A-L-I-S-H for 20% off your first Manny system. Then when it comes to planning activities, particularly for teens or kids that are really, you know, engulfed in, in their tech, you might need to think of something that's kind of epic and adventurous to shift their gears, right? 
So, and be really patient because if what they've been doing most of the time is gaming or being entertained, they may not be super excited about your grand ideas, right? They may even lack social skills or whatever skills are needed to do this new activity. So be patient, think about what they're interested in and maybe really what will let them have some of those adult responsibilities and the freedom that comes from that, that um, all kids want. They just want to grow up, right? When they're little right away, they just, I want to be, you know, big. So tap into that and come up with things that help them develop their sense of self and what they are capable of. So definitely moving a little away from the whole being protective parenting, which we have done in the past. You don't want to wait until kids have graduated from high school and are ready for the next big step before they've learned all these adulting things like driving a car or doing laundry, cooking, managing money. Um, We're seeing from surveys that kids are delaying all these things later and later. And you we can guess it's because they're busy on their phones and their technology. So try and incorporate that stuff. Um, And for, you know, some examples of that for close to home activities, tap into their inner chef. A lot of kids like cooking um, and being a chef is kind of a cool thing now. So have them be in charge of meal prep and maybe they get to cook one night a week or a couple of times a week, try and be open to it. You can give them parameters, but open to what they make. Um, get them involved with all the steps of it, prep, and then how about let them do grocery shopping? Um, If it's close enough and they're old enough, maybe they can walk or ride a bike there, or you can do your own shopping while they get stuff for a meal and don't hover over them. But for little ones, we have a copy of a, a small grocery shopping list. You can get them started right away. You know, this helps them learn colors, um, give them uh, the task of finding two apples and um, green grapes and three bananas. And so then, you know, give them the healthy stuff to pick. And so that's getting them familiar with the shopping. It keeps them busy. They're not going to have all those meltdowns. And then instead of handing them an iPad to keep them entertained, they're engaged in the process, feeling like little adults, learning some of those skills they need anyway. Along those lines is gardening especially with little ones, I have found if they grow it and they tend it and they pick it and cook it, they're so much more likely to eat it. So those are some kind of like things that are skill-based that could help them. But for some just real fun ideas, um, if you have the budget and they like adventure, maybe take a trip somewhere where there's an amazing backdrop, someplace where the Wi-Fi is terrible. If you want to do a really inexpensive, fun thing, if you can find a grassy hill and you can get an old towel and $3 for a block of ice, uh, you can have some serious fun ice blocking. Uh, This is the weirdest activity. So this is just one of those things that always attracts the teens and the college age kids when they would see us doing this. They would ask us what it was, run out to the store and go get one, and then they'd be doing it too. So kind of a unique thing. for families with little ones, you can make a fort like the one behind me. This was just a demo of Fortnite Fridays, my version of Fortnite Friday. Um, and you can let them get really creative in building and decorating it. Um, let them get a lot of mileage out of this. Don't set up the perfect tent fort and they didn't have anything to do with it. Give them a little bit of instruction about how to put the pole in the middle and balance things. Use couch cushions and 
but then give them some supplies, give them the towels, give them um, tablecloths, give them twinkle lights so they can decorate it and then let them change it out. Maybe one day it is a coffee shop um, with pretend coffee. And then the next day it's a library where they can check out books. And another day it's a grocery store. So you can really, you know, have a jungle the next day. You can really kind of get a lot of mileage out of this and have something new and entertaining each day. Um, another fun thing, we do a lot of scavenger hunts. Uh, you can plan one in your home. So we have a lot of different templates for ideas about different scavenger hunts to make it easy on our website. We do have 200 plus ideas of fun screen-free things that you can do on our website. The other thing I recommend for everybody, whatever ages, is a block party. We just had one of those recently and we turned it into a good old fashioned potluck where everybody brings a family dish, gives people something to talk about. We had a competition with the best barbecue and the best dessert kind of thing, the best young person's entry. So I wanted to get kids under 18 to come. So we had um, a category just for them. So there are just a lot of really fun things you can do. And that brings the community back together who have been indoors um, and away from each other for so many years lately. It's really a good thing to do. Yeah. I love that the ideas that you gave span from like just going out into the real world and, you know, thinking, I think, I think when we think of making sure our kids are spending time off of technology, like whether they're younger or older, I think we're always thinking like, okay, well, if they're, you know, we have to be involved more. We have to entertain them in some like grand way to to yeah. get them to want to be off their screens. But really when, you know, our kids want to learn things, like when you mentioned the cooking, I know my daughter loves cooking and, and baking and she can't really fully do it on her own, but I, she's almost six. And if I help her read the recipe, she she'll take the lead, you know? So I, I just love those ideas of even being at the grocery store, like things you already have to do and just involving them in it instead of uh, just giving them your phone or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Trying to do less entertaining and more incorporating them into your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about digital minimalism. You know, digital minimalism is kind of a buzzword too, just like minimalism itself is. So how would you define digital minimalism? It, it's a different thing for everybody, right? So for me, um, I see it as using the least amount of technology that's needed and using it efficiently and then having a balance with other screen-free activities. And again, it's going to be different for everyone and it depends on where you're coming from. Um, you know, the, the, the farm family in Kansas is going to have a very different idea about what that looks like than somebody living in an apartment in San Francisco. So, um, and we all bring different things to it. And it is specifically why I don't give out a recommended number of hours of screen time that's okay. I know there are a lot of um, recommendations out there and they're, they're great, but for some families to hear, you know, zero screen time before two years of age is really um, tough if they've already completely broken that. And um, so I feel like you just kind of need to see where you're at and um, kind of take stock of that and then, you know, start from there. What do you want to cut back on and what would look realistic? Yeah, I, I love that you when you talk about it, there's no necessarily like prescription of this is how you do it and this is how many hours because that's important to think about the fact that all of our lives are different 
all of our work is different and um, the way we live our lives in our homes, like some some people work from home. Some people uh, don't have much help with their kids and might need to use screens more than someone who does have more help. You mentioned that digital minimalism for you is just using technology as little as possible and for just like for what it's needed. What does that look like in your life? And and also, if you want to mention just some ways that we can begin to pursue like our own version of digital minimalism in, in our lives too. Yeah. I think first, it's really important to note that a lot of this, this really has to do with time management, right? So if you were around before everything went to an online system, like I was, not to age myself here, but um, I remember a time before technology and I was like an awesome time management person. I was so on it, you know, with the pen and paper system and the prioritized lists and all of that jazz. Um, and now I love that I have a phone that I can schedule an appointment when I'm at the doctor's office right there. And it goes to my calendar on my computer. Wonderful. Love it. But the bummer is that that same device carries all these distractions. So if I'm making that appointment, I'm also then going to see all these other little notifications. And it's like a bunch of people yelling and waving signs at us all the time. So it's nice that we have it, but it's made us be really reactive as a society and that affects everyone and everything. Some tips to minimize digital distractions, I would say, you know, kind of take an inventory of what you use your tech for right now. Are there any things that you maybe could give up or replace with some non-tech options? There's always at least a few. Um, then set up some speed bumps, that's another thing. So things that make you slow down or reduce your screen time. So. An example of that would be, you know, wear a basic, I call it, tell you the time only watch. <laughs> I don't have an Apple watch or anything. I know they're cool, but um, for me, I just want it to tell me the time. Because if I use my phone for the time, every time you do that, what happens? You end up seeing, oh, notifications. Let me just check my emails. Let me check Instagram. Somebody else reached out to me. Um, and so it goes on and on. But it's really, you just need it for telling the time and maybe a step counter. And, and that's it. Setting up some speed bumps can really help. And then be really purposeful and work them into your daily routine. So here's another one that I do. I work from home. I'm fortunate to do that. So one of my speed bumps is gardening. And I specifically have not turned the irrigation on for all of my plants. And why do I do that? Because it makes me go out and take a break to go water my plants and I'm getting fresh air and my dogs are super happy I'm running around because I'm outside and my brain and body gets the needed tech break. Another tip is um, maybe use a little tech assistance. And I, in the past, have not been that huge on using tech to help solve tech problems. But I will say that there are a lot of apps out there that can help you con control, you know, these distracting apps. But um, I... I have had Opal on my phone now and I love it. I really like it. It's um, basically, it's helped me cut down on my impulse to check social media and LinkedIn and things like that during the day because I can't. So you program it for whatever you want. You can make exceptions and all that and you only put the things in that you want, but I then don't between nine and four, that's not available on my phone. So I could go to my laptop if I want to, if I really need to do something and do a post, but it's just another speed bump. It's kind of slowing down and making it a little harder for me to access things. So um, 
that's good. There's this RO box created by a couple of dads. I just love their story. Um, they realized they were spending too much time on their phones and it lets you store phones in a really beautiful box and it's a charging station and you can kind of, you can kind of make a competition with your family, like who's spending the most time off of it. And it gives them reinforcement for doing that. So I like some of those tech assistance things. I think they're great. And of course we offer our you know, our ideas online, we get a lot of good ideas online. So um, tech is, is our friend. We just want to have it in moderation. Um, another thing is just to make sure you're substituting activities that you would like to cut down on. We've talked a little bit about that here, but, you know, if scrolling on Instagram is something you want to cut down on, pick something to replace it with, like bike riding or dinner out with friends. Um, just try and kind of be cognizant that you're purposefully doing that in this activity that will make you feel better. And, you know, I think that's kind of the overall message there is just plan more of what you want to see happen in your life, more of the things that really jive with your goals and do those things more and more. And there will be less time for screens. It'll just, you know, kind of can work itself out if you start scheduling the things you want to see happen. Yeah, I love the the suggestions that you give for like replacing those activities that we want to kind of stop ourselves from doing so often, like the scrolling Instagram, the activity replacements that you suggested really kind of put us in a situation where, at least for me, if I'm with friends out to dinner, like I won't be scrolling on Instagram. At, I'm distracted from that with something better, you know? Yeah. And and if, if you're riding a bike, you know, that's very dangerous to pull out your phone and check Instagram. So exactly. replacing with those activities that are really one beneficial to our lives and and to our relationships and and health but also going to keep us you know from even wanting to to scroll and and check things i always think like i want to read more so i i'm going to every time i want to pick up my phone i'm going to read instead and while that's great too it's just like i if my phone's right there, sometimes my brain will go and I'm picking up the phone. Next thing I know. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Even and no, we, we can't outsmart it. Right. Even when we know right. it's, it doesn't take care of the whole problem because they use, you know, great psychological techniques, just like a slot machine to make it be addicting. You can be aware and you can still succumb to it. It's just a challenge. Are there any other suggestions that you um, want to share of just kind of encouraging that digital minimalism uh, type of way of life in our kids as well? I know you gave a lot of like screen-free activity ideas, but um, anything else you want to share on on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say the overall is make tech less of a priority for your entire household if you can. I am fully aware that we don't always <laughs> all have the same opinions about it. And you may have a spouse who is like, no, I love my tech. I don't want to hear it. I say do it anyway, because they may come around after a while. You just have to go for it anyway. But make it less of a priority as much as you can. And be mindful about the gifts and the gadgets you bring into the house. So how many of us have you know, bought the really cool tech toys for Christmas and our kids begged them for it. You give it to them at that time because that's when you give big presents, right? And they're excited. And then you complain the rest of the break that you can't get them off of it. And like, you know, so what we have to make sure we do is 
don't be a casino owner because that's what you've done. So if you let it all in the house and you know it's hard for you to control, it's going to be even harder for them. So you do have some control about how much of it comes into your house, especially when you have younger ones. That's the very, you know, best thing is to start off with as little as possible and with kids delay, 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 as long as you can. Right. I'm not saying don't put on Sesame street or whatever. I'm just saying it is much easier to manage one device uh, when your kids are older than eight. Right? You know, so if you aren't always getting the latest upgrade and the new and improved tablet and the, you know, think about how much of it you have, try not to be a casino owner. Um, and then like we've been talking, look at your own tech use first. If you spend all your time on your phone and your kids are always seeing you looking down like this, that's what they're going to want to do. I mean, it's human nature. So it is, you know, it's a bummer that you and I maybe remember a time before screens and we did other things with our day. Um, and, and that's, that's something we're lucky to have, but this generation of kids will have always had to be part of their lives and their brains and bodies are going to be affected by it much longer than ours. So all that additional time is going to add up. Um, so let them have, you know, let them have a simpler life as much as possible for as long as possible. If you're lucky to be starting out when they're younger, think about how much you do have a say in that and you have control over that. I love that. And I think what you said at the very beginning of our conversation with just making kids aware if they are older and making them aware of what these devices do and how they are made to be addicting and just the detriment that they can be to our health and mental health. I think that is a huge part of it, of maybe trending things a different direction. You, you, you definitely want to keep having the conversation, but the question will come up if you or someone in your household is on their device all the time. It's like, if it's so bad, how come they're doing it all the time? That will come up. So be prepared for that uh, situation. And yeah. that's why on top of everything, you know, try to make it a priority for everybody to have balance. And also with kids, I do think it's fair to explain and show the phone sometimes, you know, dad has to do work on his phone sometimes. So he's not, they don't think you're, you know, doing words with friends or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay for them because for them, they may think what's going on in a screen is always fun. If you're doing all these fun things, you just don't want me to have fun. That's no fun. So you do have to be real about that conversation, but I think it can be done and kids are so smart. So yeah, yeah they figure it out. Well, so good. I, I just love the idea of modeling it for them and everything too, which is, it, it can be hard for us, but it's important. And if we have this value of, of wanting to be our whole family to be on our technology less, then that is a huge part of it is us being the starting place. Well, I would love to hear a little bit more before we go about the unplugged villages. Um, that's something that you mentioned earlier, and it's a part of what you do at Unplugged Collaborative. Can you talk about what this is? Um, what are these unplugged villages and even how can we start one in our community? Uh, yeah, just give us the whole rundown on that. Yeah, sure. So Unplugged Village is an initiative, just another initiative of our nonprofit. And we have found that, you know, people are more likely to have success at unplugging if you've got a support system around you and you do it in a group. So that's why we love to kind of promote, you know, group activities. 
Um, but a group can be tiny or it can be big, but it really helps when you have that support system. And if you think about when you send your kid Michael over to play at Max's house, and then you find out they spent the whole afternoon playing Fortnite and it kind of irritates you, right? So it's nice to find a group of people that feel kind of the same. And I, and I don't mean to get really militant about it. And we don't want to have that person because they have different values, but to get some general rules that you agree on about when your kids are going to spend time at each other's houses um, is really helpful. So that's one thing people do, but um, other more loosely based unplugged village examples would just be, you know, a group that wants to come together and schedule a meetup at the bottom of your street. We've had around 40 people start unplugged villages in their community so far, and they celebrate Global Day of Unplugging, of course, and then many of them come up and do other activities at other times of the year, too. Some of them are companies, some of them are, you know, maybe teachers, schools. We would really love to see more Unplugged Village playgroups getting formed. I think those are so important, uh, not just for the kids' socialization, but for adults. You can go on our website, unpluggedcollaborative.org, and you can see all the different levels of membership we have. A free version that anybody can do. We have some paying levels, not a lot of money, but those can come with these smartphone knapsacks. These paid memberships are pretty low cost, but they help us keep the campaign going year after year. So, and if you go on and do the free membership, then that puts you into our email list. And then you'd know about events coming out. You'd know about what's going on for Global Day of Unplugging, March 1st through 2nd next year. And we promise not to inundate you with too many emails. We rarely email this time of year even. But yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I just love what you all are doing. And I think it's such a cool idea just to get thinking about, okay, well, you know, how can I get people together more often, like in, in my community and even have the conversation about screens and, and everything and, and hear others thoughts on it. And because I, I've had more and more conversations lately, or just like overheard someone while I'm working at a coffee shop talking about Instagram or social media and and just wanting to get over an addiction of it of some sort, you know, maybe they don't phrase it that way, but that's just what's happening. And so I, I've heard people of all generations talking about that lately or some form of that. So I think it's a conversation people want to have. And the more you open up that conversation and even just make opportunities to to be face-to-face and together. I love that you all are are doing that. And I, I did want to mention just one other thing about if you have those people that are kind of um, resistant to this idea, but you want to get them to come around to unplugging, you can you know just start with something that's really enjoyable first that has a built-in system that's unplugged. And we talked a little bit about that, like with the bike riding kind of thing or where their hands are busy, like comedy nights are great. They don't like you to record anything. So they don't like phones. Escape rooms are cool because you have to like solve the problem to get out of there. And again, phones are not allowed. Um, Maybe go out scootering in your community. Um, That's kind of a fun thing. And again, you're probably not looking at your phone while you're doing that or camping where there's low Wi-Fi signal. You might have to be patient and try to find just moments of digital minimalism in them to start and then gradually work up to more time. Well, also good. Thank you so much for 
just all of your time and we've touched on so many things and I think, you know, anyone listening probably has a million takeaways that they're ready to to put into action in their family or in their community, whatever it might be, or in themselves, right? <laughs> so before you go, I do have two quick questions that are just for fun that I like to ask every guest. The first one is what's something that you're simplifying right now? So this might be a weird one, but I guess that I'd say I'm saying no a lot more now. So it's sort of hard to do, but it's saving me so much grief, anxiety, and time on the tail end. So that's kind of a, that's a thing I'm doing to simplify my life. Yeah, that's so good. And it's, yeah, hard to do for sure. My second question is, what's something that you're loving right now? That's easy. Um, That's Pilates, which I would never have guessed in a million years that I would like it. And in fact, I was resistant (laughs) to it. I hate (laughs) gyms. I don't like doing workouts. Um, Not at all. And I like yoga, but that's about it. But I am now working my way to be a Pilates queen, I say. And I had some health issues and I was in this crossroads in my life. And I just realized I had to make a major shift and it's made me feel so much stronger and better. And so it's also just one of those things that is taking the place of some TV watching, which was one of my things that I was working on. So it's a win-win. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much again for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the, I love all the stuff that you are talking about and helping people have realistic minimalism in their life. It's great. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you have a bunch of takeaways that you can take and apply to your relationship with your phone or things that you can talk to your kids about when it comes to their relationships with their phones. I think one of my favorite takeaways in this conversation that really just clicked with me is to replace the habit. What can we replace time spent scrolling on our phones that is really wasted time? What can we replace that with? For me, I like to replace it with reading as you heard me talk about that, but sometimes that isn't the best replacement. Sometimes my mind goes wandering back to my phone. One thing that Claudia mentioned, and you've heard me mention it before here too, possibly, is the RO box. We actually have an RO box and I'm going to have the founder of RO on the podcast soon as well to continue this conversation even more. But when I replace screen time with reading and have my phone put away in that RO box, which you could put your phone away anywhere, but somewhere out of sight, out of mind, then it works as a good replacement. But I also just love the idea of replacing it with time outside or playing a game, having a game night with your kids. I don't know, something that is truly engaging you, keeping your hands busy, keeping them off your phone, and keeping our minds busy too and away from wanting to go and check out and scroll. I also really just love all the resources that Claudia gave us to have conversations with our kids about this. But I think for me with younger kids, I can just apply that same principle of replacing the screen time with something else for my kids as well. If you want to share this episode on social media, which I know we just talked about being on our phones less, right? But if you want to take purposeful time on social media and while you're there, share this episode. I would love to hear your takeaways as well and your biggest takeaways from this conversation. Or you can just email it to me and let me know what you are going to try and use from this conversation with Claudia. You can always find me at hi at DesireeEndries.com for my email. That is all I have for today's conversation. Thank you for being here and listening in. Thank you for any way that you share the show, whether it's just texting it to a friend or 
sharing it online somewhere. I'm always grateful for that. I'm grateful for you for being here and listening in, and I will talk to you again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.